Uh, it is a great privilege to be here. This is my fifth time at renovation, which is hard to believe. Um, but I really do feel really privileged uh, and honored to be here. Uh, as he mentioned, my name is Ben Pierce. I'm a full-time missionary of an uh, organization called Steiger International. Uh, and this was a ministry that was started by my parents in the 80s. Uh, they were working with youth with a mission, uh, and they wanted to reach uh, the punks and the anarchists. Uh, these rebellious young people that had such a negative view of God, and they're asking themselves, how can we reach people like this? Uh, and to cut a very, very long story short, they started a Bible study on a boat in the heart of the city. They started a band called No Longer Music, uh, and God really put his power on this ministry. Uh, and this was the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in Amsterdam. I learned to read and write in Dutch before English. Uh, I was very much a Dutch kid, and this was a a world that I grew up in, this ministry world where I got to see God move in incredible power outside of the church. Uh, and now we have a whole missions organization uh, that is dedicated to reaching and discipling the global youth culture. Uh, and that's just a fancy way of saying young people outside of the church who aren't coming to us looking for the answers. Uh, and that's a lot of people. Uh, and so the way we reach them is by setting up uh, city teams and urban centers all over the world. Uh, they, and, and these city teams, they do ongoing evangelism and discipleship to the global youth culture. And we're seeing God do amazing things. Uh, we have a vision to have 100 city teams by 2025, including 10 here in the U.S. And we're starting one in Minneapolis in the fall. Uh, we're very excited about what God is doing, and you guys have been a part of that. Uh, just a few ways that you can connect with me and us as a mission. Uh, we started a new YouTube channel called Is There More? Uh, and the whole point of this is high-quality video content that's going to challenge secular assumptions, start conversations, lead people outside of the church to the gospel. Uh, this would be a good tool for you to be able to share with a non-Christian friend and start a conversation. Uh, so if you want to subscribe to that and, and check that content out, you can share that. Uh, as always, we have a weekly podcast called Provoke and Inspire. Uh, it is a, uh, about an hour-long conversation every week, and the whole heart of it is, how can, we be, how can we be radical for Jesus outside of the church? How can we be faithful uh, to him in this post-God era that we're living in? And we have people from all over the Christian world we bring in as guests. Uh, we had Tim Keller on a few months ago. We had Shane Claiborne on just last week. Uh, God has really allowed us to speak to some really influential people. Uh, so consider checking that out if you're a podcaster. Uh, if our DNA connects with you, with the kinds of things that I talk about uh, really resonate with you, I'd consider checking out my book, Jesus in the Secular World. Uh, it's a more in-depth look into our DNA, uh, our heart, our mission, and what, what we've seen God do outside of the church. Uh, they're just out there at the table, along with all these other things I'm talking about. Um, as always, we have our annual No Longer Music send-off show. This year it's back at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. Uh, this is your opportunity to see the brand new version of the show, uh, this depiction of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we're going to be taking all over the world. Uh, we really need your prayers because obviously this virus stuff is really threatening a lot of our permissions around the world. Uh, but we believe God's going to be bigger than that and, and overcome those obstacles like he always does. Uh, but you can come see the show. Uh, you can meet the team. You can hear the vision and help send us off. I'd really appreciate that. Um, again, Grace Church, uh, it's uh, on Sunday, the, the 3rd of uh, May, uh, 6.30. So check that out. Uh, what I want to do now is I want to share a video with you uh, of a tour we did with No Longer Music in the Baltics. Uh, this church has been a supporter of ours, and I think when God does amazing things, we should celebrate that. Uh, and so I'm going to show this video for you uh, because I think it will encourage you, um, but it will also remind you just how powerful of a God that we serve. So let's play the video. You know, I'm really, as I often say when I'm up here, I'm really passionate about seeing the lost saved. Um, but even though I've seen this video a thousand times, I feel 
the urgency. You know, this virus stuff, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but it's kind of a big deal right now. And uh, it's kind of gripping the entire planet. And uh, even though you're, you know, far more likely to be hurt just driving here today, truthfully, statistically, it's kind of a crazy thing to watch the entire world become fixated on one thing. You know, and I think it says a lot about our culture. I mean, it, it, of course, demonstrates how global we are, right? Even though something that originated thousands of miles away, it can affect us very, very quickly. You know, whether it's trends or, or something like a, this virus, we, we are impacted by things that are happening all over the world. It's a very large globe, but a very small globe all at the same time. It also shows you how uh, fragile we are for all of our technology and for all of our, you know, the civilization that we've built, one multiplying virus, and it just affects everything. Everything is so vulnerable all of a sudden. Everyone is so freaked out all of a sudden. It just shows you how fragile we really are as human beings. You know, what's interesting is a few months ago, had I said, you know, what do you think of when I say viral? Most of you would have said it's a positive thing, right? Of course, literally, we understand where it comes from. But viral in the sense of some content or a song or a video or something said on social media blowing up overnight, right? All of a sudden, millions of people paying attention to one particular thing. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how viral has really, again, kind of come back to its true source in the way we understand it. Um, and our world has made it possible for things to spread like never before. Because of the internet and social media, something that, again, as I said, originates thousands of miles away can become very relevant to us in a hurry. Um, and as, as I was reflecting on this, I really think it's kind of like the Roman roads, right? Though it was in many ways a symbol of oppression and power and the status symbol of the Romans, God also used it because the gospel was able to go farther and wider and quicker than ever before. God really leveraged the times. He wasn't surprised by them. He knew what we would come up with. He knows the times that we're in today. And in the same way, I believe that God wants to leverage this situation, I believe he wants to remind us of our fragility. I, want, I think he wants to use us in an explosive, viral way. The world is on fire. People are being destroyed by the lies of the enemy. And I think he would want his followers not to just live comfortable lives or not to react to geopolitical situations or global situations by hiding out and becoming further segregated from the problems of the world. I think we need to be like the monks of the Middle Ages. When everyone was running from the plague, they ran into it. They ran into the darkness. They were the ones nursing people back to health, often at the expense of their own safety. That is what I think Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be viral. He wants us to make a massive difference. But I think for us to do so, for us to be viral in that way, I think we have to follow a whole different set of rules. It's not going to be the way the world does it. It's not going to look like the world. And, and as I was reflecting on this, I was drawn to the story of John the Baptist. Because I don't think, you know, I don't know if you've thought about this, but he really had a viral moment. He really had this, this moment of explosive growth. It says in Matthew 3, 5, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Everybody was coming to him. He was relatively obscure, living in the desert. He comes onto the scene and all of a sudden he's the talk of the town. He's the rock star. Everyone wants to go out and see John the Baptist. Why? Why did God use him in this way? Why was God able to trust John with this explosive growth, with this viral moment? Well, I think there are four main reasons. 
And I think we similarly can have this sort of growth if we would take seriously the way John lived his life. And so I want to talk about these four reasons why John the Baptist went viral. The first is that he was called. John the Baptist was called. It says in Luke 1.15, For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That's pretty incredible. Before he was even born, God had called him. God had anointed him. This wasn't because John came up with some strategic plan. He wasn't out in the desert figuring out the perfect approach or method. God used him because God called him and prepared him from the very beginning. But the amazing thing is he's prepared you and I as well. It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were even born, God called you to significant good works. And these aren't religious activities that you check off a list or you do to make yourself feel good. These are significant, eternally impacting good works that God has called you to. And yet so many followers of Jesus I talk to are dissatisfied. They're frustrated. They go, yeah, you know, I I know I'm saved and I know I'm loved, but is this all there is to life? Am I really experiencing everything that God has for me? And the truth is, God has an amazing calling on your life. God wants to use you in an incredible way to change lives, to be an embodiment of his love. But just because he has this plan for you doesn't mean you will necessarily walk it out. We need to change our approach. We need to change our approach. You know, when I reflect on my own life and the things that I do, the speaking I do, the writing I do, the, the touring I do, none of it was a plan. You know, only looking back can I say, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. But everything I've done has just been this amazing act of God's providence. He just led me into this. I was often ill-equipped and unprepared and even unwilling sometimes, but God has orchestrated each step to lead me to this place. I didn't set out some master plan, but what I have done is pray. What I have made a priority in my life is to seek God. Now, this all started for me when I was a late teen. I was coming home from my first semester at college, and, you know, I was saved. You know, I, I, I believed in God, and, you know, I did the religious things, and, but it wasn't dynamic. It wasn't personal. It wasn't powerful. And I remember coming home to New Zealand over the, over the winter break, and it was summer there, and my dad said, hey, we should go on a prayer walk. I said, okay. So we'd go and we'd walk, and it wasn't ritualistic, it wasn't a religion, we would just talk to God about everything. It wasn't forced, it was natural, it was honest. And we started to do this day after day. And this seemingly simple thing was incredibly powerful in my life because it set into motion a pattern that I have followed to this day. Everywhere I would go after that, if I would move to a different place, I would find somewhere where I could go out and seek God. This became an absolute priority to me. And what I learned in this time more than anything is that God is far more concerned with knowing you than than anything you will ever do. God is far more concerned that you know him than that you do things for him. If you're frustrated, 
If you're wondering, what is the point of my life? I, I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to experience things that I read about in Scripture, and yet I feel like I live like everyone else. Here's the key. Stop asking God what you should be doing. And just start to get to know him. Stop asking God, what should I do? And just say to God, I want to know you. I don't care if I do anything. I don't care if anyone ever knows me. I don't care if I ever do anything significant. God, I just want to know you. I'm telling you, if you will make knowing him the priority, it will revolutionize your life and he will begin to lead you out. Retrospectively, it might look like a great plan, but I promise it will be because you have sought him with a desperate heart. Make knowing God the most important thing and everything else will be taken care of. It says that in Matthew 6, 33. Seek me first. My righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. John the Baptist, John the Baptist his impact was not as the result of some strategic plan or initiative, but it was a divine calling birthed out of an intimate relationship with God. That is why God used John the Baptist, and that's why he will use us. Second reason God gave John a viral moment was because he was uncool. He was uncool. You know, John didn't stumble on some popular trend, relevant idea. He wasn't just in, in lockstep with the culture. It says in Matthew 3, 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food were locusts and wild honey. John was uncool. You know, the religious elite of the time did everything they could do to separate themselves from other people. They wore fancy clothes. They ate certain food. They differentiated themselves from the people. But John was not impressed with the world. He was not impressed with culture. He wore strange clothes. He ate strange food. He was basically homeless. John rejected the culture. And the problem for many of us, the problem for me often, is that I'm just too cool. I'm too concerned With the patterns of the world, I'm too concerned with fitting in and looking right and sounding right and keeping up. That God can't use me. I'm too proud. I'm too cool. My faith is suffocated by consumerism and busyness. There's no room for God. I'm too impressed with the culture. But John the Baptist was not cool. He humbled himself, and God will never use the proud. It says in Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. There's no impact without foolishness. There's no fruit without rejection. And we're so busy trying to be cool, trying to be like the world. John the Baptist was uncool, and that's why God could use him. The third reason that God gave John a viral moment because he was unafraid to speak the truth. It says in Matthew 3, verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? You know, John wasn't concerned about being popular. He wasn't concerned about fitting in or pleasing the establishment. He was there to speak the truth. You know, and in today, if someone's having a viral moment, there'd be plenty of people that would have gotten around him and said, you got to leverage this and, you know, fit in and try to maximize your platform. Maybe now's the time to write your book, you know, go on your speaking tour John the Baptist didn't care about that. He was willing to speak the truth, even if it was unpopular. And if God is going to use us, we have to be willing to speak the truth, no matter the cost. And it won't always be easy. You know, my years in No Longer Music, we've been in some pretty sketchy situations. We've faced some pretty significant opposition because we've preached the cross. We've been mocked. We've had things thrown at us. We've had our power cut. We've been followed by the secret police. We've started riots. 
I remember one time we were in, in Albania during Ramadan, and uh, we set up our stage in this public square, and on the other end of the square was a mosque, and we were asking our Albanian pastor, who was our tour organizer, is this okay? I mean, this was an Albanian country during Ramadan. We were facing a mosque about to preach the gospel, and he said, yeah, this is the spot. Let's do it. And so we did. We played our show. We showed who Jesus is, that he came, that he died, that he rose again. We preached the gospel, translated it into Albanian, invited those that wanted to respond to come forward. We went out into the crowd. We were praying with people. And uh, the imam, the cleric of the, the mosque, he comes over. And he starts yelling at us, why are you here? We're Albanians. We're Muslims. Why are you speaking these lies? You know, we tried to reason with him, but he managed to gather all of the men to himself, about two, three hundred guys, brought them back to the mosque, and he started to lead them in an increasingly aggressive chant. And the two police officers that were there said, you got to get out of here. If they come over, we can't stop them. And we're like, get out of here. We have like all of this stuff. So we locked our girls in the van, and we packed up as fast as we could. And fortunately, they didn't come. But we've been in many, many situations like this. I could give you many stories. You know, we don't, we don't put ourselves in positions like this because we want a good story to tell or we're trying to be needlessly provocative. But there is a cost to preaching the cross. But like Paul, we preach the cross because that's where the power is. The world doesn't need a nice palatable message, a social program. The world needs the cross. The world needs the gospel, and if we preach it, that's when we see the fruit, but that's also when we see the opposition. You know, I think many Christians, they're not seeing the fruit in their lives, in their families, in their neighborhoods, their communities, because they're unwilling to preach the cross. You know, I remember one time my daddy got invited to speak at a Christian event in New Zealand, and the Christian organizer said, can you give a positive message, not an evangelistic one? Right? It sounds ridiculous, but this is the pervasive attitude. It's a subcurrent in Christian culture. We don't talk about Jesus anymore, certainly not outside of the church. And that is exactly where he is needed. And the truth is, it's always been hard to preach. You know, we want Paul's miracles. We just don't want his riots. We read the book of Acts and we say, yes, God, move in a powerful way, in a supernatural way. I just don't want all that other stuff. But if we're going to be used by God in a significant way, we need to speak the truth. And that means we're going to experience miracles and riots. Incredible fruit, but great opposition. But John the Baptist was willing to speak the truth, and that's why God was using him. The fourth reason God gave John a viral moment was that he was all about Jesus. You know, John is the center of attention. He's the center of attention. He's the rock star of that day. But then in Matthew 3, 13, three words change everything. It says, then Jesus came and it was over. That was it. His big moment, his time in the center and the spotlight, that was it. He was done. John steps aside. You know, and I have to ask myself, would I do the same? Would I do the same? Is it really about Jesus? Are my ambitions, are my dreams really about Jesus? Or is it about me? And if, if, if I was asked to step aside, would I? But you see, for John, it was never about him. Listen to verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John had an incredibly high view of God. It was all about God. It was not about him. And that is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. God will never use you if you think it's about you. God will never use me if I think it's about me. And I'm telling you, the more I walk this thing out, the more I realize that without God, I'm dead. The more God demonstrates to me in visceral, vivid ways that it it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I remember one time we were in Beirut, Lebanon playing and we had this opportunity to perform for one of the biggest media guys in the entire Middle East. This guy had TV stations and had, he was the organizer of some of the biggest rock festivals in the entire region. Very powerful guy. And he said, he invited us to perform for him. And we thought, this is our opportunity. If he can just see how cool we are, if he can just see how amazing we are, then all of these doors are going to open. And so we set up and the show was terrible. Everything went wrong. The equipment was failing. It was awful. And it was really hard not to think we blew it. You know, we had this opportunity. If we could have just shown him how cool we were, then he would have opened all these doors and we talked to him and we prayed with him and his daughters and that was cool. But we were disappointed. And shortly thereafter, David, my dad, was given the opportunity to share openly about who Jesus is on one of the biggest TV stations in the entire Middle East. Not just once, but three times. Millions of people hearing the gospel on one of the biggest TV stations in the Middle East. It was almost as if God said, I let you fail. Because when I would open this door, I wanted you to know it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you or what you have or do not have or how great you are. And so often the church and those of us in it are seduced by the idea if we could just be cool, if we could just build up our name, then the world would be impressed And it has nothing to do with us. You see, God will only use those who humble themselves. And John recognized this, that it wasn't about him. That his entire life was about preparing people to see Jesus. And if God is going to use us, ours must be the same. I love that. John's life was simple. I'm preparing people to see Jesus. And that is what I want people to say of me. That his life was about preparing people to see Jesus. You know, following Jesus is so much more than just coming to church and trying to be really clean. You know, being a little bit more moral than other people. We're not meant to just accumulate stuff, follow the patterns of the world, grow old and die, or hide out in some bunker because of the latest thing that's making us afraid. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. If, if this virus should make us do anything, it should, it should help us see what is already true. And that is that life is short, that control is an illusion. We didn't have control before this virus and we won't have it afterwards. We are absolutely dependent on God. Our life is not our own and he would want us to use it in a way that would make a difference. And let me tell you what, that is when you live without regret. That is when you go, yes, this is why I'm here. God wants to use us in a viral way, but we need to seek him, not our callings. We need to stop asking God, what do you want me to do? And we need to start saying, God, I don't care what I do. I want to know you. If there's a prayer you should be praying every day is kill my dreams, God. Don't give me my dreams. My dreams are small. 
My dreams aren't good enough. My dreams are short-sighted and human. We should be praying every day, God, kill my dreams. Give me what you want. I'm so grateful I don't have my plan for my life. It would have been nothing compared to what God has called me to. We need to be uncool, not chasing the culture, not being so worried about fitting in, not trying to have what everyone else has. We need to speak the truth no matter the cost. You know, there are places where people literally live their, literally risk their lives to preach the gospel. And what do we risk here? Our reputations? Our convenience? Our comfort? I need to be preaching the truth no matter the cost. And until I do, I won't see the fruit that God intends for me to see. And then finally, my life needs to be all about Jesus. I need to say, God, forgive me for any selfish ambition. Forgive me for where I've made it really a little bit about me and a little bit about you. It doesn't work like that. If we'll do that, then this church thing will be so much more than a social club that makes no difference in the world. Then it'll be something powerful and dynamic and sure, messy and imperfect and human, but God will use us in an explosive, viral way. And that is exactly what the world needs right now. Amen? Jesus, thank you that you are bigger than any geopolitical event, any pandemic, any fear. Make us a people that runs into the mess, not away from it. Make us a people that demonstrate the resilience that comes from knowing the creator of the universe, not the hollow worldview of secular humanism. Let us, let our depth in you shine in the midst of fear and trial and, and panic and use us in an amazing way because you are great. Lord, I believe we're willing. Thank you for your mercy. Amen.